we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. And as we pick it up in chapter 11, we're going to come to the Lord's Prayer. And there's some good stuff here for us tonight. Chapter 11, verse 1 of Luke reads this. Now it came to pass as he, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Of course, the Lord's Prayer is also in Matthew's Gospel. And in Matthew's Gospel, it has that bonus segment about the need to forgive, uh, to be forgiven. It has like a bonus on this prayer where it gives that extra bit to it. So this is the Lord's Prayer. And if you, depending on how you grew up, maybe you grew up saying this prayer. Of course, being raised Catholic... This was a prayer I said. In fact, I, I, whether I was walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord as a kid, as best I knew how, throughout my entire life, when things really got going, I'd say the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you can relate to that. If I was on a plane and there was really bad turbulence, I'd start saying the Our Father, right? I mean, you just do what you got to do, right? I mean, that's what I did. So this prayer for me is a very special prayer in my own life because it's the one thing that kept me linked to a faith in God in all my journeys throughout my entire life, whether I had that relationship with Jesus Christ or not. Interestingly enough, it's the prayer that I prayed in, in the face of death when I was in the open seas uh, on my own in 50-foot seas. It's all I could do is to pray this prayer and like I'm in God's hands. When we lost our son and I committed him to the Lord, it was this prayer that I prayed. And the, the Lord's Prayer is just our peace as it stands at its own merit on the difficult day and the most challenging circumstance. If you knew nothing else what to say to the Lord, praying the Lord's Prayer right here is you could never go wrong, right? If the news came to your front door that was the worst news imaginable, or if you had to face the most difficult day that you woke up to you ever had to face, if you didn't know what to say and you were without words, you can pray the Lord's Prayer and give that situation to the Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that gives you perspective on everything. And just to pray through the whole prayer, it's peace. It's peace to our souls because it's the prayer that Jesus said, when you pray, say. Or in Matthew's gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, in this manner or this pattern, pray. So it's like a template. And on my own personal testimony, I, when I pray in my morning devotions, I tend to put my prayers in this pattern of prayer, thanking the Lord for the day, praise for the Lord, and then lifting up the needs of the day, asking for forgiveness, and asking for protection for myself, for my family. At any given time, my kids could be all over the world, and just praying this template. It's a great template, but again, like I said, in many times, I've just prayed the Lord's Prayer, especially 
Like when the Bible says, my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And the Lord's prayer reminds us that our God is a rock and he's higher than us in whatever we might face. So not just in the difficult day, but even in the good day, praise the Lord and say the Our Father. But that being said, when we look at the Lord's prayer, there is great insight practically for us in communicating with God in that relationship. Now, we love him because he first loved us. So he's established the relationship through sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. While we were yet enemies of God, Christ came and died on the cross for us. So we understand that. But that's all vertical. So he, through Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection and our faith in him, we are restored. As many as received him, we become the children of God. So that fellowship is restored that we're born without, and we have that vertical relationship with God. But for many people who've never even prayed or thought about God or talked to God, that can be an awkward or difficult thing. And that's why this prayer is so wonderful, because one of the disciples of Jesus, who probably was a disciple of John as well, said, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples how to pray. So John the great prophet, John the Baptist, was a praying man, and he taught his disciples how to pray. But here's Jesus, who spent a lot of time in prayer and communion with the Father, teaching how to pray. And aren't you glad it's simple? Aren't you glad it's not complicated? Oh my goodness, could you imagine if it was this long, complicated, arduous process? That would be pretty difficult. And it's beautiful that the prayer starts with vertical. So let's think about this. As we think about the Lord's Prayer and God teaching us how to pray, it starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's perspective. And that's what we need every day is perspective. We need perspective on who God is and on our life. Or we might even say context and perspective. Because perspective helps you in your context. So when we start our day by saying, our Father who art in heaven, we're establishing the relationship and we're confessing the relationship. And we're establishing where he is and where we are. That as Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's thoughts and ways above us. So our Father who art in heaven immediately puts God in his rightful place, in his throne room, in authority, doing all that he does and has his interest in our life. Of course, Jesus said he knows the hairs on our head. So God obviously is very intimately, personally involved in all of our lives in a very special way. And for the dads who have multiple children, you might relate to this, but with four children, and then the moms as well, with multiple kids, and you pray for them every day, and they're all different. You know, when I pray for Nate and Hannah in Florida and Luke and Belle and here, and then Timmy in Barcelona and then in Norway or whatever, I, you know, it's just... I love them all, but they're so different. And yet, I, if I try to say, like, well, I feel like maybe I have a stronger relationship with Luke than I do Leah, that would not be true because I have a very special relationship with all four of my children. And that's how God is with us, that he, his love doesn't have shadow of turning. And his interest in our life and his concern for our life and his personal details for our life are there for each one of us. He doesn't care more about someone down the street than he cares about you right here, right now. And in that relationship where it says in Romans 8 that we are adopted into his family and we can say, Abba, Father, and we become joint heirs with Christ, we have equal access, if you will, in his trust, in his estate. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs of the kingdom, and he cares very much about us. We're not lost and forgotten about somewhere. 
God cares very much and is very desiring to work personally in our lives from the throne room. And really the key thing that he does on a daily basis is try and get our thinking on him and his throne room and his will so he can reveal it to us in the still and the quiet place. Of course, last week we talked about Mary being still at Jesus' feet and choosing the better option to receive the word while Martha was busy. So we talked about still in our minds, still in our hearts, making time. So doesn't it seem fitting that the Lord's Prayer is coming in a week later for us to think about the, the communion with God? But it's context and perspective. The context is we live on planet Earth with 8 billion people. We live on planet Earth with 8 billion people. And we live in our generation, July 7, 2018, in Southern California, most of us, with 24 million people. And that's the context of our timeline, where we live, who we are. But as I said, we're not lost amongst 24 million people or 8 billion people on the planet. And the little details of our life, whether they seem favorable or disfavorable or pleasant or unpleasant, God is very much aware of them. And like we say with coaching and the surfing, I, I, I tell these elite athletes, I prefer winning over losing. Winning is a lot more fun than losing. It is. But you'll learn more from losing. And that's biblical. Because we're told that trials and tribulations prepare us for the kingdom of God. And we're told that they teach us patience and they teach us to become more like Christ. Which is the highest objective of our life and relationship with the Lord. Is become more like Jesus Christ on planet earth. So it just seems so appropriate and so absolute that the first and foremost thing in the Lord's prayer is our Father in heaven. Our relationship with God the Father in heaven. Everything comes from the Father and and. It's by the Father and of the Father, and it's unto the Son. So it's perspective. So we have context of who we are on this planet, single, married, in our 50s, in our 20s, teenagers, whatever it might be, uh, even in our 80s possibly. And we have context of who we are and where we are in the big scheme of things. But the perspective is, once we focus on the Lord and we realize that our Father in heaven, we realize we're his children, and he does care about July 7th in our life personally. And he cares about the things that might cause us anxiety or stress or worry. He does care about helping us let go of the things of the past and press on to what lies ahead to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. With the Lord, it's always, always forward. So when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it's about going forward today. We're never going to change yesterday. It's always about going forward. It's always about being in the moment right now with what God is doing this day in our lives. And that perspective, we have the context of humanity and the human experience and where we drop in it. But that perspective. You know, it's funny. If you, Some people don't like history. I really like history. And I've just been thinking like 2018, 2018. It just, so, it just seems like so futuristic. And I, all these interviews about Olympics and the surfing, and I'm like, it, it just, it, it is like, wow, surfing is in the Olympics. If you'd said in 1978 that surfing would be in the Olympics, no one would have taken you seriously 40 years ago. But I've been thinking about 100 years ago and like 1918. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, all the millennials and these millennial sports in the Olympics. They had an, a story last week that they're talking about Paris 2024, maybe adding gaming, video games to the Olympics. I know, Daniel, I thought the same thing. But it's true. You can Google it. They're actually very, because remember Jeffrey the Giraffe's waving goodbye with Toys R Us? Did you see that picture too? 
Jeffrey the Giraffe, Toys R Us closed once and for all. There's a famous picture out there on the internet right now of Jeffrey the Giraffe waving goodbye because Toys R Us no longer exists. I grew up with Toys R Us, my kids grew up with Toys R Us, but what happened to Toys R Us? They didn't adapt and they didn't change and they didn't grow and they didn't stay in business. They went the way of Woolworths. And so the Olympics will go the way of Woolworths if they don't figure out how to reach the next generation and how to get them engaged in watching the Olympics and being a part of Olympic sports and even bringing in new sports into the Olympics. Nothing's the same. I told you when I was at that in North Carolina, we had a speaker saying that they have technology to microchip people with advanced data uh, through microchipping within 10 years for increased skills in athletics. Oh yeah, it's a brave new world, right? The Lord's coming back. That's what you're thinking right now when I told you that one. I'm like, man, the Lord's got to come back. Mission Viejos is 117, and they're microchipping Olympic athletes to be smarter. But again, thinking about 2018 and 2020, I just, because in my mind, you know when you have to fill out something like uh, your birthday online, and you scroll down, you older people, you know, you scroll. I scroll right through the 70s, like 60, 60, 60, 61 right there. That's where I land, and I don't, I don't go to the 50s. That's how I see life. When I think of history, I just go keep scrolling and I keep going down. And to me, I think about 100 years ago, it wasn't about the Olympics. It was about everyone coming home from World War I, the Great War, and trying to rebuild their lives and really about the war being unresolved. I was thinking about that, like how different it would be if I lived 100 years ago. And like, because Chariots of Fire is, is during, you know, right about 1920, right? It's post-World War I, Chariots of Fire. Eric Little, the great missionary who refused to run the 100 on the Lord's Day, but ran the 200 on the other day and not considered a favorite at all. And he won the gold. It's, it's a famous movie, Academy Award winner, Chariots of Fire. And I thought, like, just how different. 100 years later, you're talking about gaming in 2024. You're talking about surfing, rock climbing, street skate. Context. It's a crazy world, isn't it? I, I sometimes don't even believe what I see. They got 20 versions of the same dog because they cloned a dog, right? I'm like, it'd be like having 20 busters. Like, what's that like? You know, like, is it like a Star Wars movie or something? It's context. This is the time God made us alive. This is when we live. This is when we're single or newly married or having kids or grandkids. It's context. This is our time on the planet. We weren't meant to be part of the great war. As Solomon never was really part of war, but his dad, David, was a man of war. But the perspective is to know our Father who art in heaven. See, that perspective fits in every timeline of context. Our Father who art in heaven, Eric Little says, I will never run on the Lord's Sabbath. That was his core values of his conviction and his faith. And when he was a missionary in China, when the Japanese invaded, and he could have got out, he gave up his past out of Japan to a pregnant woman to get out and go to England. And little did he know he had a terminal brain tumor at the same time. He died in a Japanese internment camp. He would have died anyways in his early 40s. But how cool that he gave away his ticket home to someone else to give them a future and a hope. And if you read the stories of Eric Little's life in that internment camp, he brought peace to everybody. He refereed business people, harlots, missionaries of all different denominations, and he was a servant of all to the end. It's, 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 it's our Father in heaven fits in perspective for you in any timeline of context. Our Father in heaven is Peter in the time of Nero. 
Our Father who art in heaven is John and uh, banished to Patmos for the book to write the, the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven has fit as a perfect perspective for every believer and every challenge we've ever faced for 2,000 years in church history, regardless of the context. Because the moment we say our Father in heaven, we get perspective on our context. He doesn't change. Our world changes. Even for me, gaming in the 2024 Olympics, I was like, you got to be kidding me. That is a sure sign of the apocalypse right there. We're just figuring out like all these incredible wave pools, right? Everywhere, you know, it's the wave pool wars right now. It's wave pool wars for sure. Jeffrey, the draft's gone the way of wars, but the wave pool wars are just beginning. Context, 8 billion people, 24 million people, who you are right now and what your future holds for you. But perspective never changes. It's always about the Lord in heaven. It's always about who's on the throne. It's always about who has the final say, who filters everything that comes into your life and the purposes of how they can work together for good in our lives as we look to the Lord. Our Father in heaven gives us perspective over everything that we will ever face. And we should rejoice that that's how the prayer starts. Could you imagine? It's like, my life on earth. Can you imagine that being the start of your prayer? When you pray, say, my life on earth. When you pray, look in the mirror and say, my abilities on earth. That is just, that's just crazy to think how depressing that would be. But no matter what you face, what we face, we can wake up and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not about my name, it's about your name. And it's not about what I can build before I step into eternity, like an empire of Toys R Us, which goes the way of all. You can't, even, you can't even find Nineveh in the desert, right? I mean, the greatest kingdom that lived existed 2,800 years ago. You can't even find it. Context, perspective. He's not going to change. There's no shadow of turning with the Father of Lights. And this, to start every day, to have access every day, to the Father through our great high priest Jesus to come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The people threatening you, hallowed be your name. The bank account with nothing in it, hallowed be your name. The doctor saying it's really bad, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. That you can look at any experience and say, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. You can put that over any human experience and that is sufficient to bring you through it and carry you through it. Isn't that awesome? It's just awesome. It's peace. It's an anchor of hope to the soul. That when we're taught how to pray by Jesus, we start with, in the context of whatever we're going through in our timeline, with getting the perspective that God is in heaven. It's about him, his will, his purposes for which he's created us. Because again, we don't work our way to heaven. We receive the grace and we are his workmanship. So the perspective is whatever he's doing with our life in the context of our life, he's making us a work of art. He made Eric Little a work of art, the great British track star for Jesus. He's a rugby star too. He made him a work of art. Just put him, put him on a shelf that 40 years later, they'd make a movie about his life and win the Academy Award for Best Picture, 1981, Chariots of Fire. The books still come out about Eric Little. It's, it's, it's his pers- it's perspective of who's in charge. There's no accidents or randomness. Everything passes through the Father's hands with a divine purpose where our faith can say, there's a bigger picture here, and through these trials and tribulations, I can grow 
and I can trust and I can put more of my heart in heaven. That's what we can do. Because we are told in Philippians that we forget what's behind, we press on to what lies ahead to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As for God, his way is perfect. He's a shield to those who trust in him and his word is proven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about his will being done in our life, not us trying to get him to sanction something in our life that we think might be his will. The smartest, wisest prayer ever is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And God helps someone who thinks they got it all figured out. We can pray according to God's will based upon what we know about his character in the word of God, for sure. But he wants to show himself personal and involved in our lives in every situation of our lives. It's just for me personally to look back on my life with 30 years with the Lord, and even before I gave my life to Christ, I can look back and say there's nothing random there. There's no, there's no dumb luck. It's, it all had purpose and design that God purpose, and so it is for you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. Then we also see from that perspective, we see the practical, right? That's vertical perspective, but the practical is give us this day, you know, give us day by day our daily bread, food, provision, forgive us our sins. That's horizontal with other people. As we forgive others who've indebted to us, that's horizontal. And do not lead us in temptation. That's time, space, and matter, horizontal. And deliver us from the evil one, who's kind of a hybrid because he's from eternity. He's outside our dimension, but he works against us in our dimension of time, space, and matter. So if you look at the rest of the Lord's Prayer, get the right perspective in the context of our lives, and then we can give him all of our practical provisions day by day. Let him be over everything, which, you know, it's an everyday faith to abide in the Lord. He's got our bread. He's got our needs. But equal to that is our heart, right? Because we think about provision more often than not. And that's where we begin to grow in the Lord, where we learn to trust God with provision. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. That's what the world worries about. The world worries about, I've got what you need. I'll take care of you. I I got your back. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and begging for bread in the streets. And, And, you know, if we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and lean not on our own understanding, and acknowledge him in all of our paths, he will lead us and he'll, he'll take care of us. I mean, he cares about us. I care about my children. There's a lot of things I want to do for my children. And I remember a few years back, I was discussing how my children are costing me more money as they become adults. And someone said to me, what else would you want to spend it on? Because we love our kids, right? We want to spend it on our kids. And if not them, for sure, the grandkids, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, but it's like, God's, you think how much we want to do good for our kids and want the best for our kids, how much more so the Lord? We get to that before this text is done tonight. So vertical is perspective, and then context is our world where, ah, I've got to pay bills. Uh, you know, the Orange County treasurer expects a property tax payment in December and, and, and uh, April, you know? It's like, this one, those are late, and the, the apartment complex expects the rent on this day. The car lease expects this. The, the, the car insurance expects that. Um, they don't give food away at Trader Joe's and Mother's, right? I mean, you got to go in there and you, get, you don't have a, a magic card. You know, something has to be behind that. And that's the reality of life. But we learn to trust in the Lord and we seek him and we let him take care of us. Our provision comes from the Lord. I, I've learned to not worry about my own provision. I've learned to not worry about the church's provision. God is 
in the needs of practical provisions is often when he speaks to the clearest to us to show his personal touch in our life with little things. And of course, I've got lots of those stories, but one of my favorite ones was the one in Vermont when I, we didn't have really any money. I, I mean, literally, we just had like 20 bucks in the account, or the, and we had the three kids. It was before Luke was born, and I was working room service, and that day, my pay was on tips, so it's like minimum wage is below minimum wage. It was 220 an hour plus tips, and but you'd be able to keep the tips. It was 95 and uh, the the year, and I I got $17 on that shift, an eight-hour shift. I always remember this. It's so clear. I got $17. I'm like, $17, like, what? you know, okay. Well, it's better than nothing, but, you know, when you're kind of going through it, you're just like, really? Okay, so you can relate, maybe. <laughs> but I go home, and to our home address came a check the same day from someone I never met, never knew, never heard of, and never had contact with again. It was a check for $170. Like, what are the chances of that? I'm grumbling at the Sheraton. I make $17. I come home, there's a check from nobody I know ever before, since, or anything. A random check from a stranger to our address that no one even knew, who writes you in Burlington, Vermont, uh, and for $170. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.